This is episode 216 of the Gold Squadron Podcast. I'm your host, Dio Morales, and today I'm joined by Marcel Manzano. Give me a name. Marcel, he's going to have a new house soon, Manzano. I already have a new house, just not living in it. Thank you very much. There you go. Will Trandalorian 180 No Scope Hagwood. <laughs> Chandrosian. Oh, oh, I didn't spell it right. <laughs> I tried. Oh, well. <laughs> Reading is hard. Ryan, I feel, I'm feeling like a traitor. Stanizuski. My calculates are slowly turning from green to purple. What's happening? <gasps> Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, as for announcements and news today, uh, this week we have Team USA for the XTC facing off against Team Malta. We're going to be covering their their matchups that they have going on. We'll give our guesses at the end of our main segment for today. And also coming up July 17th and the 18th, as you saw on the wait screen if you were watching live, we have the Dagobah Galactic Championship Qualifier coming up. Again, that's July 17th through the 18th. It's happening during the Ireland time zone. I believe that is IST, Irish Standard Time. So if you are interested in playing in that, head over to GoldSquadronPodcast.com and we will get you uh, get you signed up. If you have any questions, make sure to watch the... Actually, today I sent uh, emails to everybody who had signed up up to today. Well, I guess up to like noon today uh, with reminders and everything. Remember, if you feel like, hey, where's my GSID? Um, it's it's uh, likely um, in your email or or you haven't filled out the shipping spreadsheet yet or the shipping form yet. That's what a lot of people forget. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, guys, we're just we're jumping right back into it. Uh, 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 wait, wait, sorry, uh, time out. How was your Fourth of July? Because I know I got a story, so I was checking to see if any of you guys had a story. Because I got a pretty good one. Uh, I got uh, <laughs> I, I fell down uh, accidentally and I hit my head. It was not a good time. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. There's there's no mark or anything. So nobody nobody needs to know except the thousands of people who listen to yeah, the podcast. Just, it's fine. just my personal friends is all. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. My wife, <clears throat> my wife and I and some of our friends went to the beach on Saturday, and luckily we went there early enough, and it wasn't Fourth of July because it was the third on the weekend that it wasn't super busy so we got to pick whatever barbecue spot we wanted and the closest spot towards the beach and the the ladies were close enough to the bathroom because because both my wife and her best friend are pregnant around at the same time so they needed easy access a quick <laughs> bathroom nice what about you marcel um so for those of you on facebook you guys saw that i closed on a condo so been running around doing stuff for that uh we're renovating so we're not going to move in for a month but uh we did get to go up there uh we, we went up there for the fourth of july and turned found out that navy pier is not doing fireworks this year oh. um so i asked for a refund and they didn't let me oh. <laughs> but uh, they did do fireworks like right in front of uh, adler planetarium which is a, about two miles away, so we got a nice little view of that from the from the rooftop. Um, and yeah, just uh, it's been it's it's been a cyclone. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, 
for myself, we had a good time. As you guys know, I have a five-year-old daughter, and we, you know, we were we were hanging out, doing the little poppers outside. Everything was great. We had dinner, uh, and then we wanted to do sidewalk chalk. And I was like, "Sweet, I'm gonna go get the sidewalk chalk." Came inside, got the sidewalk chalk. I locked the door, the bottom handle. Nobody had keys. Okay, nobody had keys, so I locked. My family, my mother, my father, myself, my wife, and my daughter, all outside. I had to come up with a solution to um, <laughs> to get uh, to get back inside the house. So, um, because we have uh, a five-year-old who's pretty small that can fit through a window, she saved us. So Arwen, we were able to get her to climb through a window. She was she 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 says she's the hero of the Fourth of July now. Okay, she she let us know. Um, we we got her to climb through a window, and uh, yeah, there we go. We uh, we got let back inside the house because Arwen uh, is old enough to. When I tell her, honey, I'm gonna put you through this window. Can you open the door for mommy and poppy? She's like, yeah. She was super jazzed. Super jazz. So, yep. There you go. <laughs> Old enough to have the smarts to understand what I needed and small enough to fit through a small window. It was perfect. Anyway. But, but also young enough to potentially say, when do we get to do it again? Oh, she, 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 did, it. she did it the first time and said, Poppy, can we do it again? She did ask this. So, you are not wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. We got pick. I have a whole video of it too. It'll be great. Oh man, it'll be it'll be great to show when she's uh when she's older. Hey, you want you want to see your first B and E? You want you want? <laughs> Alrighty. Well, today our main topic is you guys. What do I mean by that? Well, we we haven't been taking our listener questions in a while because we've been covering a bunch of other things. Today is. 90% of our podcast is about listener questions. We got a whole list of them. Some of them short and simple. Some of them are going to be bigger philosophical thoughts and talks there. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our GSP patrons. Becoming a patron makes you a part of our largest group of supporters that GSP has. The, you have access to patron-only channels on Discord, and depending on what level you are, we're going to send you out quarterly gifts. Uh, we actually have a quarterly gift set that is getting packed up very slowly. Remember, guys, I'm working on my master's degree. Only a few more weeks, but they are getting worked on right now. That's the Alphabet Squadron. But if you become a patron starting from today over the next uh, month or two, you can actually get the next wave, which is going to be the Shadow Squadron. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. And uh, thank you to everybody who has become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash gold squadron to become a patron today. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, and take a look at this. So listener question, guys. You know what? I'm going to open it up to you guys. You, you have the list of questions there. Uh, Will, go ahead. Choose, what, what is the one that you would like to address first? Uh, let's see. Um, it's Sykes. Syke J7, um, I think has an interesting question that I would love to discuss. Um, they say, with the announcement of the Trident-class warship 
and this is an older question. So with the release of the Trident Quest Warship and the AI deck for solo or cooperative play, does X-Wing have a future for more co-op play or will it still remain a P versus P or player versus player experience? Um, I am super excited uh, for the uh, AI deck co-op play. Uh, included with the Trident class, uh, the Squid is what we, everyone's been calling it, which I think is a much better name. Um, and I think it's something that is missing in X-Wing. Um, and we've been doing competitive X-Wing for so long. Um, and we've run the numbers and done all the tactics that we can, really have exhausted that uh, avenue. But um, these other game modes, things like... Um, Heroes of the Atari Cluster, which was a very popular co-op uh, style campaign. And then things like Aces High, a um, couple other um, of, like event style game modes, uh, I think have spurred a lot of the uh, community into um, looking for more uh, ways to play. And I would be very excited. Things like... Uh, um, Utilizing like Defender Raider, we're just like load up that Defender Raider and see what it takes to actually take one down um, with a group. Uh, things like uh, um, well, other epic ships, obviously as well, uh, could could be uh, things that uh, I would like to see in like re-releases or even just like a pack uh, that just has like an AI deck. They um, they previewed the uh, solo play rules a long, long time ago. Um, where you could, um, well, it would basically fly the enemy ships for you. And I think that um, could easily be uh, tested and improved on. And then uh, hopefully we could get like an official AI deck of cards that would fly your, the opponent's ships around. Though I do think it would have to be uh, scaled to like one ship. Uh, so the... The single huge ship uh, seems like super effective. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it myself, but I'm very, very excited. Uh, what do you guys think? Is there other avenues uh, for this kind of solo or co-op play? So yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, uh, it's it's something that they that they could capitalize on um, a lot of sort of games people uh, have explored in the past year, year and a half during the pandemic since we haven't had at store uh, play beyond just playing online X-Swing is playing cooperative X-Swing with the family that you could still be around because most of the time playing something head-to-head -head competitive unless your family's naturally competitive and wants to do that anyway doesn't tend to go over very well. Uh, so capitalizing on the situations where everyone can come together and beat this AI thing is another type of game that they can excel and uh, do in X-Wing, especially, like you said, with the epic ships. They kind of have that big boss type feel. They just have to theme it and have certain mechanics for it to work. Um, I've been getting into a lot of the Marvel LCG champions, and that's pretty much like you're, it's just a co-op game of... Uh, two to four, unless you could, you could play solo technically, but if you're playing with other people, two to four players, and you play against pretty much AI mechanic-controlled villains. And FFG's done that really well. Uh, so if some of that 
type of co-op and theme experience that AMG has had uh, within like Marvel Crisis Protocol or at least uh, those theme type events, I'm pretty sure they can construct some pretty cool cooperative-based things to at least enjoy or come together for. I know that for uh, people who are going to LSO, um, uh, I'm if someone brings the Trident there, like Leviathan Hunt, let's go. Sounds great. So I know one of the other things that has been brought up as well, besides this type of uh, playing against an AI, is the possibility of objectives, right? Because this is kind of where, where PsychJ is kind of going towards. Um, I think, you know, we as a community, there's been members who have created different type of objectives. I know there was somebody in our Discord, and I'm sorry I'm forgetting your name, who was asking specifically about essentially role-playing through x-wing which which uh you know you can kind of look at uh heroes of the Aturi cluster that system it has been adapted by people into second edition like i think there are ways to do it my i my question is the more adoption we have of it, the more buy-in, the more exciting it's going to be, right? There, there's going to re- have to be reach a critical mass where there's enough people who are excited about it, where the people who are kind of on the fence about it go, I guess I'll try it. So I think, I think it's an opportunity to continue uh, developing it. We just have to see. I will tell you that I've, I've thought about using one of our our kind of tournament uh, smaller scale tournaments and trying to see like trying to put out an objectives tournament and see how many people actually show up because it's one of those like put your money where your mouth is you say you want to do something different let's see but if if people don't show then you don't get it now we have some some data right we know that um the, our our uh the the shuttle tiderium podcast i don't believe they're, they're they're casting anymore but uh they put on uh this big event series at gen con in 2018 that was very story driven um we have seen people do the the trench run and that gets sold out at something like gen con but those are very specific you know kind of like hey if you're not playing in the main event at this time and you want to play x-wing here you go my question is is if you, your only option say hey you're free on a saturday you want to play an objectives tournament how many people would actually show up and that that's the that hasn't been tested yet maybe we will um you know try to try to look at uh look at some of those things but i'm cu- i'm definitely curious to look past 206 like i think that'll always be the main game that's just like your uh your your first player shooters right like the well, story the six. Uh, say it again you said 206 six obstacles oh yeah, yeah. 200 points six obstacles um it, it's similar uh what was my my thought you're talking about deathmatch and first-person uh, yes. shooters. Yes, like I look at I look at the deathmatch is like the the multiplayer version of first-person shooters. Like most people are are there for the multiplayer experience where they're playing against people, and the story for most of those games, not all, most of those games, it's just an add-on. It's like, hey, here's a cool story to kind of go along, but really, you're here for the for PvP. So we 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 need to find our capture the flag, basically. Yeah exactly that chef's kiss yes exactly all right marcel you want to take a uh a, a question out of the hat 
Okay, so Sag J is gone. I did not read any of these. I came 100% unprepared, which should be uh, a surprise to no one. You know, this is him so stalling just, and looking at the questions. Just so, pick a question. Uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna close my eyes and click with my. When I landed on the same one that we already talked about, so Haley, I'd love to see you guys cover something that I know. I and I'm sure many others need to work on, target prioritization. Oh, this sounds like it's going to be a good one. Uh, should I just target the first thing that falls into most of my arcs, or should I find a target on turn zero and beeline after that? Is focus fire the right choice, or are there times where splitting fire is more valuable? How do you, the hosts, go about picking and choosing what to shoot at any given time? Um, <clears throat> Uh, actually, it's a really good question. It's also a, I think it's, um, honestly, this could be an episode in itself. Um, it's not one question, it's a number of questions. But uh, it's it's really, when do you know what to shoot at? And, how, you know, what goes into the decision of when to shoot, what to shoot at? Do you take the opportunity shot? Do you know what you're going to shoot at at the beginning of the at the beginning of the game or you know it, it's so nuanced um and there is no one answer to it you know the 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 most generic answer i think would be it depends on what your list is and what it depends on what your opponent's list wants to do if you're flying a list you know if you're flying an aces type of list that basically is going to be um trying to gain an advantage at some point not maybe not early but trying to get an advantage at some point and 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 kind of tough it out in those type of situations you're playing um you know to two different types of target priority which is one of them is whatever gives you those points and two is whatever takes away their ability for you to no longer be an ace so for example if you're flying something that has uh, Vimarati, you want to kill Vimarati. If you want to have something that has sense, you want to kill the sense carrier because those are things that, it, or if you're flying against Bosk uh, with like million damage every time that it points at you, uh, you want to take care of those things first. So you want to take care of the things that don't allow you to do what you need to do uh, to be an ace. And, or if they don't have that, then you're just basically trying to find the points wherever they give them to you. Uh, think about it this way. Um, it, it, you know, think about an ace player being kind of like a hawk, but being a hawk that is not like a, you know, six foot hawk. It's more like a three feet wingspan hawk. And they're going after some ducks or they're going after like, you know, they can't go in and just, or, you know, they can't go in and take anything. They have to, you know, when the ducks move around, they move around in a, in a pack. They have to wait till one of the little baby duckies goes off and is far enough away so then they target that away from the pack. So basically you're trying to do the same thing. If you're an ace player playing against a swarm, you're trying to find that little that little TIE fighter that strayed a little bit too far away from Auris to be like, oh, that's my baby right there. Or or that little aggressor that strayed away a little too far from uh, Faroff and Admiral Sloan be like, ah, okay, now I got you. So it's going to be very case by, 
That was a great analogy, by the way. I kind of like that analogy. Um, but it's um, it's going to be very case by case, and I don't know how to do that unless we talk about it for about an hour and a half straight, other than trial and error. Like um, you have to know what your list wants to do. You have to know what the opponent's list wants to do. And you have to know, know a little bit about the mathematics of when opportunity shots are better than the long shot. Um, because sometimes the long shot might be the best shot in terms of like, hey, that's the, uh, you know, that's pay that's Torkoal. That's the one that makes everything work. But the likelihood of doing anything is not there. So just take take your um, take your shots when you got them. I would say the best example that I that I can give right now was a recent practice match that I had with one of the Canadian players uh, in practicing against England. And by the way, Ali, you're drinking some hot sauce, baby. He lost. Uh, Canada beat England. Ali's Ali's bum is gonna be burning. Um, but in that matchup, um, that in that practice matchup that I had, I was flying um, A wings, four A wings, like four proton rocket advanced optic A wings, and he was flying the. Um, it was a what was his, uh, Andrew? I can't pronounce his last name. He's got Andrew Oler. Oler, there you go. He's got like an H in there. Confuses me. So Andrew Oler flying, you know, his own list against the A wings. And what I ended up doing, and I ended up beating him in the practice match, but what I ended up doing was taking really terrible shots from long range at his Kyle Katarn just to make him hopefully burn tokens so that, you know, at, eventually at some point I can go ahead and retarget somebody else without a million tokens flying around. And that's an, that's an example of target priority where, Sometimes you don't want to target somebody just because you think you can do damage. Sometimes you might want to target someone because it prevents them from either shooting at a, at a ship that you want to shoot, so you want to burn through their tokens, or it prevents them to, from doing something like a few turns down the road if they're token sacking, if they're, you know, especially with the Hawks. So just making sure that they don't do something later on. Or in the case, for example, in William's list where William is flying Bosk, uh, Cannon um, and Fen Rao, you might want to shoot at Fen Rao really terrible shots. Like, I know I'm not going to do any damage at Fen Rao, but I'm just going to take all my ships and shoot at Fen Rao. Do zero damage just for the psychological effect of William saying, like, oh, he wants Fen. I'm going to take Fen. Fen can go over here. You know, boss go over here. Fen over here. And, um, but, you know, again, that's just a little bit of gaming ships and you're trying to scare Fen away so that you can go ahead and, and, and focus on the other ships without worrying about Fen because at that point, you know, uh, William's going to be thinking like, okay, Fen's my, Fen's their target. I'm going to try to kite with Fen. So again, it's so nuanced. It's hard to give a really straight answer other than, um, no, have a plan. Would, would that be the best way? to say it, just have a plan no matter well, what that plan is just have a plan I, I would you think... say that would you say you start that plan on turn zero or do you decide that plan halfway through the game 
I think that, that goes back to depends on what you're flying. If you're flying okay. in, if you're flying my list, you know, my list that I'm flying at XDC, which is a regen list that's just trying, basically just trying to get up on points and end, the, end with zero points gone, you're not targeting anything. You're waiting for that little, you know, that little penguin, baby penguin that's straight away too far away from the, from the pack. But if we're flying something like what you're flying, where it's just going to come in and punch something, you're going to go in and take out the end game piece because you don't want Kylo flying around. You know, you don't want to kill five TIE fighters and then be Kylo, the one that's flying around at the end, you know. So that turn zero depends on what type of list you're flying. So it's so nuanced. It's a, it's a great question. It's just there's not an easy answer. So, so I, th- I I think when you were going through a lot of things that like you said it a lot of it is matchup dependent board state dependent there's there's deviations across the board but I think there's a few things that could be uh, mentioned that can help generalize some things that can help lead you towards better decision making or construct better decision making so one of the things that you should always uh, try and attempt to do is especially on shot priority if you're in the middle of a scrum or game situation if you can shoot ships at the same initiative or have any control of shot order you want to try to find the balance of shooting stuff that is limited on who they can shoot down to the ships that have the most options unless there is any specific special weapon or token situation that you need to balance maybe if i do it in this order instead of the strict lowest amount of potential shots to the highest amount of potential shots that might give me a better advantage whether it is scoring points or stripping some tokens for say a better shot now sometimes that might mean that the less restricted shot is the better shot and you and i know some people like the mindset of they want to shoot their worst shots first to see if they can get those tokens spent on the bad shots anyway and then have the good shot be the get the biggest punch out of it with the least amount of defensive odds available but uh you want to try and push your decision making as far back along as you can both and that's how in ace play that's how they can gain advantages both just with how the game is structured but at least in shot structure and target target acquisition and choosing in your engagement you want to try and work your way back through things that have options or things that have less options to things that have more options because then if you go too early on that you might shoot with something that has two ships but you might have killed something that already had also a shot anyway so it's, it's a lost opportunity shot even mm-hmm. if it's kind of the mental wrong order in terms of their viability or their uh effectiveness of a shot and the other thing to look at is uh your your capability to um react and decision making on the board and applying um like pressure in in certain situations like like Marcel said, there is a level of going through and it's not just doing damage and, sh- and also even shooting. It's where can you correctly ap- apply positional pressure to an opponent's list 
to force and herd things around so that it might be easier to then have target acquisition be more of a what's in my arc thing versus a I have to choose a direction type of thing. And sometimes I, I, I get the misnomer of people saying whoever commits first loses. I think there's definitely a case where that's incorrect because if you commit that involves pressure, that can also still help you in the positional game because let's say it, a common uh, ship we're seeing is 7B Knights. They have anywhere from a five straight boost to a one hard barrel roll. Like they can be in very different spots. But that also means with that three die gun, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of like AC type ships or other things that can um, really challenge that well. So you can apply pressure even if some of those Jedi are moving after a portion of their list by just going forward, pointing the arc at something, and saying, "I'm here." Even though you can probably ace me out, I'm applying pressure early game and forcing you to be in a different position sooner rather than you choosing everything later. So that's kind of target priority through movement and pressure of your own threat. And I, I think one of the things that we have to add here is one of the things that adds complication to answering that question and why it's not a simple answer is because our game has movement, not just abilities, right? And you're not, you don't, there's so many variables in there that there's there's not always a clear and then you know one thing we didn't even talk about the difference in evaluating your targets when it's a good matchup and when it's a bad matchup right because th those could end up being very different things if you're playing out of desperation or or in the end game essentially you know if you kind of combine everything they have is that the the your your win condition and your target priority can be consistently changing depending on what happened the turn before so i think really the best way to get better at it is to continuously evaluate what is happening during the game sometimes whatever your initial plan is will need to change for whatever reason you know if you're if you're down in a game you're going to play a little bit more aggressively uh sometimes or you might need to play less aggressive if you have an opportunity coming and there's more time on the clock if there's less time on the clock you're down by 30 points maybe there if you go through your win conditions there's really only one ship you should be shooting if you want a chance to win and those are the kind of things we talk about on stream we try to evaluate evaluate those uh those win conditions as they change throughout the game because they they're always evolving depending on what it is and that's why i know sometimes some newer players will will watch a stream and say you know there's there's 20 minutes left what do you guys mean that the game is over it's like well unfortunately because of x and y and z it is imp literally impossible for for the person to to come back from that so just all that to say continuously evaluate and uh and try as much as possible to be um to try to be objective about whether your choice and evaluation was correct because sometimes you could evaluate it correct and not get the results you wanted and then you end up thinking you were wrong like that can can happen so uh 
Sometimes it doesn't work out, but sometimes it will. So I know that was a really, uh, that was a big round circle to get to the answer of it depends. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I got one, I got <laughs> Go. one small thing to add. Um, Go ahead, it's will. about uh, uh, splitting fire. Um, obviously, uh, we say don't split fire. Shoot a ship until it's off the board or so messed up that it's not a factor in the fight anymore. Um, but there is times where uh, your specialty target, the target you need to take out is say a three agility ship at range three. Um, and you had to spend your mod uh, on defense. Uh, so now you got a, a, a unmodded shot and the target you want to shoot is range three and has four dice, right? But if there's a ship shooting or if there's a ship at like say range one that only has like one agility, right? Uh, you do have to factor in uh, the math a little bit and know that uh, that you you need to take the shot that has the most potential for damage, especially if you're losing the game. Um, if you've you know lost a key piece in your list or need to make up that damage race, uh, you will need to just split fire sometimes and take what what is in front of you. Um, but there is uh, that. Uh, what do I say? That's something that you have to assess uh, turn by turn, even shot by shot. Um, and sometimes if you could just be like, well, I can roll four dice at this thing. Like, and I have no other mods, like uh, assess that th that will be your best chance to do damage. And sometimes that takes priority over killing a ship. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the one of the few times where I split fire is like, like, well, I know I can do damage to the ship. Let's just shoot that ship and see what we get. I like it. I like it. Yeah, and I think one of the, again, the best ways to do it is to practice, and maybe we'll take some time, one of our Wednesdays or Saturday streams, and just, just go through that. We did it a little bit for the showdown, and it seemed like you guys really liked it. So um, target priority stream coming soon, all right? Hey, hey, outside the target priority stream, I don't know how we can do this again, but if, do you remember way back when? when there was like physical toys and we got to put them in tables and I think we're getting back to that soon. Uh-huh. There was this really cool idea that you had and we did for a, for a short period of time, which was mind games. Yep. Yeah. I remembers. Mind games where uh you I know you were doing it where each each headset was doing one. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I get that that can be complicated and difficult, even though I, I enjoyed it. Like, I, I, I didn't have a hard time listening to both, but some people might. But even if you're only taking one of those, uh, I know that um, uh, 186 does, they do something similar where they go back over games before and then they say, like, oh, this is what I was thinking at the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The only problem with that that I have with that, because I've been part of that, I think, once or twice. The only problem that I have with that is a little bit of revisionist history because you know what ended up happening. Right. And be like, oh, I was thinking that I would blah, 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 blah. But which you already is, know what the result was. Which is why I don't do, I, I don't do post-game videos like that because it never, yeah, it yeah, never yeah. gives you the full truth, unfortunately. But I, I, th I think it would be really interesting to start doing a version of that again where 
where um, you're taking and not yourself, because I think by this time, you know, like people are kind of used, like you always talk about what you're going to do while you're playing your games. Like, right. oh, I'm thinking I'm going to do this. I want to do that. But taking like people that maybe the community is familiar with, um, you know, we're talking about Nicholas Scott, Carson Ray would be interesting because that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe maybe as the captain of uh, Team USA, you just wrangle me up the whole team, and we do a psychological evaluation on them all. Sounds something like that, but but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like just just have them say like, uh, just just at the beginning of the game, like let them know. Don't just talk to your opponent. Talk over everything that's happening in your mind. Like, oh my god, this is terrible, or. I'm uh, like, this is who I want to target and just have that happen. And, and again, just take uh, different lists and different players that have different mindsets. Again, uh, Dale, Com Dale Cromwell, if you want to take someone super aggressive, uh, Doug Howe, if you want to take someone that's super, um, KG, I don't know, KG. I think I don't know because he's really aggressive too. I don't think he's that cagey. Um, to be to be good, you have to be aggressive in next swing. Yeah, little yeah, tip. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, I I I didn't, I didn't mean to derail the conversation. I just kind of wanted to like throw that back into. I remember that used to happen. I think that would be great to do again. Soon, soon. All righty, um, Brian, go ahead. Your turn to pick a question. All right. Um, let's go something a little more lighthearted here. Uh, from Porter, we have which oddball is the best oddball? Discuss. And also, kind of a bonus on top of this that was added from Will, which chassis would you like to add oddball onto that he's not currently onto, even if it's a Jedi ship? So, Which oddball um, is the best? I would say oddball? the best oddball, I think, is just V19 Torn Oddball. I could just throw tracers on him and he can be an I 5 tracer missile shooter. That's it. That's all I care about. It's, I know it doesn't utilize his ability that much. I mean, it kind of can because he could barrel roll, link, evade, and then take the lock. So he could be mm -hmm. a little bit defensive and still get the tracer missile off. Um, but. Uh, I'm not a fan of the V-Wing oddball. I don't think you get that much more for him than him being a torrent, especially since he can carry missiles. Um, I know arc oddball people have played around with, especially with Kit Fisto crew. It's not my thing. So I'd go V-19 oddball. And I'd want to see him in... Uh, kind of on a principle, I don't want him in anything but a clone ship, but I don't know what he would do in a lat. <laughs> <laughs> I know he can be in a lat, whatever. Just, he'll, he can be the only I-5 lat, and his ability can still be what it is, and he won't cost that much more than the other I-5. He probably won't even cost more than Warthog, to be honest. All right, I'll, I'll, take, it, I'll take the next one. I definitely agree the V-19 has the most red maneuvers, has uh, one of the better linked actions um, for uh, stressing yourself as well. Uh, the V-19 or excuse me, the uh, the V-Wing does have the red barrel roll, um, which I guess you could pick up a lock from, um, but it's a little bit more niche. Um, so yeah, V-19, uh, the best 
uh, carrier for sure. Uh, as you said, yeah, tracer missiles are and uh, synchronized counseled, pretty basically cheap missile, synchronized counseled. That's all you need to be effective. Uh, I would like to see him uh, in the 7B. I don't know what he could do in the Ada, but the 7B I think could be really interesting because um, he'd be so cheap without the force because your, your shift ability is blank. It'd be so cheap. All right, there you go. Mar Marcel, you have any? I don't really have an opinion on it. You guys took the two, the really the two ships that, like, they're the best one and the worst one. And you talked about the other one, so. I was typing uh, in the chat. I have no idea. Wait, wait, give me the name, and I will read it, and I will give you a, an opinion. Porter, yeah. So which oddball is the best oddball? Uh, easy one. Um, and I think you guys probably have already said it, which is the, uh, the V19 oddball. Is that what you both said? Yeah. Yeah. Easy as well. The reason it's the, it's the best is because he's I-5. He's super cheap. You could put threat tracers on him. You can do... I mean, he's just... Just... Where else are you going to get an I-5 that gives everyone target locks? At for like yeah. 30 points. Like, it's just... Just so good. We did forget Y-Wing Oddball. It wasn't mentioned until I noticed in the chat, but... Still not worth remembering, really. Yeah, Dion, Dion, what's your opinion on my wing oddball? Um, you know, the people or are pointing out it. what's what's the worst oddball if you think we've taken all the best ones. And it's don't easy. don't don't ask Dion for an opinion about any my wing. <laughs> are you referring to our recording for the scum rankings? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Was that scum? That was scum. <laughs> okay. Maybe anyway. I was a little bit too harsh, honey. Then. Yeah. I was thinking resistance. Like, they don't even exist yet. Yet. No. 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 Republic white wings. Republic. Oh Republic no! Wings. You were thinking. What were you drinking that day? Too much Kool Aid. Nothing. Water. Too much Kool Aid. <laughs> Kool Aid. Probably Kool Aid. Man. All right. Was, yeah. Well. Anyway, I was, you were like raving in the chat about what. And you're, you're, you're derailing the conversation. Uh, uh, we're still gonna have to talk we, about that one though. Y-Wing, Oddball, I mean, I think here's here's the problem, I think, with most of them is, you know, you look for the red action and you think, where can I get this best, this, like, guaranteed use of the ability? Because that's usually what we look for, right, is a, when can I guarantee use the ability? And the barrel roll on the, on the medium base is awkward, which is why you usually don't see the arc 170 the um the y wing would maybe be cool if the reload didn't give you a uh a disarm token right people would people that would be the best if you had a way to consistently get rid of the disarm token on oddball that was self-contained that would be the best why that would be the best one hands down because you place it exactly where you want it you reload you get an extra missile and you fire it that same turn you just that over and over like that would be the best one um but i think right there tracers you said it on the v19 make it give it the money and for the v-wing it's just sad like it looks at the action bar for the v-wing and oddball goes why is my ability ability even here like you get like oh boost in a red target lock which you would have gotten anyway. Uh, not nothing special for him. So that's it. <laughs> what would you want to put Oddball in a chassis he's not in, though? 
An interceptor. You so didn't say I couldn't go cross faction. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Tie interceptor. Right there. Bam. Okay. So next question here. We're going to feel the question from Yoda's uncle. It says, question from a new player. What decisions are you making when choosing maneuvers? Are you thinking of where your opponent is going first, where you want to be? I'm curious to hear good players' thoughts on the process. Insert joke here before I answer. Is this your, is your chance? Okay. Okay. I'll go. I was so waiting for it. You're not going to answer this one? Now, there it is. Okay. All right. Cool. So, um, well, you, you were asking for one. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. So, I'll, I'll give. I'll give my 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 thought process when pick, picking dials. Um, you know, it kind of goes it goes back to target priority. It goes back to having a plan. And I try to once I've decided that turn what what it is I want to do, I need to make sure that I'm getting my actions and that my ships are going in the directions that they need to. Depending on the initiative and how that lands, that will determine whether I'm thinking of my opponent's moves before mine. So, obviously, if your opponent moves before you, you have to think about their maneuvers and try to anticipate that. One one really cool trick, uh, I forgot who who mentioned it, and it's, so, it's super obvious. But uh, one great trick, if you notice that you're getting blocked a lot. If you're playing against ships that have to move, a ship that has to move, you're, that spot... If it's moving before you, where they are will always be open after they move, assuming that they move, okay? And there are situations people can, like, self-block and stuff like that. Or you can even take that and make it even a bigger guarantee for your own ships. If you have a ship in a spot that moves first and it moves forward, and there's none of your opponent's ships that move between them, that spot where you were will always be occupied. Like that's an, a, a way to to safely know where you're going to go. When um, a lot of times when when I was playing Kylo, and I was like a, a one-on-one match, I, my maneuver most of the time was where were they last? Because I know that I'll get my actions then. In situations, there's other situations where it doesn't quite work but most of the time if you need your action go where they're where they work because they you're not going to be there unless i gotta stop so um that's a, a short short answer this this is another one that can really unpack really big but uh those are some some quick thoughts on uh some ways to think about it i'll go i got uh i got a maybe a quick answer here um i'm keen in on uh so the priority of it and uh, understanding, uh, well, like Ryan said earlier, uh, a Jedi Knight could go five forward boost a hard one barrel, right? Once you really start understanding chassis and um, the options uh, that other ships have, you can really start narrowing down um, where they have the potential to be and uh, basically how far you need to lead them. Because um, obviously they're not going to, you can't just, drive your point your ship where they were yet to point your ship where they're going to be um i will say that for me i prioritize uh, a good lane for myself normally 
I want to make sure that I have uh, a good in, into, into lane and a good exit lane or like a, K, a space to K-turn or something like that um, before I start uh, over pursuing the opponent and putting myself into bad spots like in front of rocks, things like that to, uh, just to get a shot. Um, so I, I hope that I, I'm thinking like one or two turns ahead and imagining those kind of flight patterns and the, the lanes, as I like to say, uh, through the obstacles um, before I prioritize um, like the best shot possible, like a range one um, bullseye shot or something like that. So I think a lot of my perspective when I choose what I want to do my 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 brain first goes through what is the best thing for me to do right now like after considering game state score current status of my ship's health current status of my opponent's health i and rocks and things around me and or and movement order i go what is the absolute best thing i can set up with my group of ships once i have that figured out i go What's the obvi most obvious thing that my opponent will recognize as the best thing I can do, and can they stop it or punish it? If the punishment is so obvious or easily outweighing what I'm trying to put on the board, I'm going to go back and reconsider what I'm thinking and be like, okay, if they do the correct thing and punish me for one of the movements my ship does, how bad is the damage? Is... Is it threatening to my victory or is it just going to hurt, but it's what part of trading value in the game is for is what I'm setting up still more uh, a better overall scheme versus the potential sacrifice I'm making probably half of a ship potentially. I don't know if I just would let a ship die, but there are some instances where that could occur. Um, but it, you know, it's, it, it's a constant back and forth of, um, what do I want to do? Can my opponent punish me? How bad is the punishment? If it's bad enough, I go back and reassess. Cause a lot of times I feel if you just put forth the best thing you can do, it's more often your opponent isn't going to be able to stop everything you're trying to do unless you're in a block formation and they move before you and block all your ships, then that's a different story. But if you're coming in in all different vectors and you're not a formation flying list, then you have more opportunities for percentages or portions of your list to successfully do what you want to do. You just got to think, all right, what do I expect my opponent to do? And how hard can they punish what I want to set up and weigh, all right, does the punishment outweigh my own scheme or does my scheme outweigh the punishment? It's a little checks and balances you got to think on yourself and then make decisions. And through repetition, you'll find some decisions were right or wrong. Or like Dion said in our last or two discussions ago, sometimes you made the right decision, but the outcome wasn't, what it was supposed to be because of certain variants and situations that can occur. So always make sure you double check your analyzing your analyzation after a game and make sure you're not diverting off of something that actually was the correct choice.
Very nice. Man, Very. man, these are some really deep. These are like the secret sauce questions. <laughs> so, and and it's and, and you know I know it's a new player here asking a question, um, but you're asking they're asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. The only problem is that there is no right answers. It's each answer is unique to the situation, and um, I think more so than target priority, more so than wind conditions. I mean, I think most people think wind condition is like the most important thing to know but Dion I mean I, I mean and ju just just on the up and up you know you know we've been friends for a long time uh, you know you, you've known me for a long time and you know that I have not always been best at at knowing my win condition correct or even knowing the points or even knowing target priority mm -hmm. like those are I've gotten better at them over time, but they have not, not always been my strengths. And you know, it, you know it. Like um, th that, this question right here, I think it's the main thing. It's like, um, what dial do you choose, and why? And early on, my success, I think early on, um, and and for the like, I won the I won a big tournament. I won Gen Con, what like six months after starting playing. Uh, yep. So I mean, I mean, I had early success, but I did not know win conditions. I was bad at it. I was literally bad at it. I did not count points. That was bad. I did not always make the mathematical right decisions. I still don't. Not bad, but it's it's the choosing the dial that like the the dial choice. I think is probably uh, if you're if you're if you're Weighing everything, I think that's probably what's going to have the biggest weight. And you're doing that at the you're doing that at turn zero, and you're doing that in the planning phase of the last turn. Like there's always that. So that is the, in my opinion, I think that's the biggest. Um, if you can figure that out, you're going to be all right. And it it comes down to what do you want to do? Do you, you know, are you moving first or are you moving last? And do you want to? Uh, it's it's hard to simplify it because it's not a simple it's a simple answer. But the question is, do you want to force what you want to do and get what you want to do done, or do you want to prevent your opponent from doing what they want to do? Uh, if you're flying something that is moving first, you're probably trying to prevent your opponent from doing what they want to do and in doing so you're setting up some type of kill box you know getting the block in getting guns on target so you're going to block somebody maybe shoot them with two or three shots and the other way is you're doing what you want to do which is preventing from getting blocked so you're playing cagey you're moving around you're giving yourself actions you're giving yourself repositions um or you are if you're flying in a block, you know, with something kind of like what like Ryan likes to fly, where they're they're flying in formation or they're flying in some type of concerted effort. Like, okay, this is the space that I'm gonna take. How do I get to the space and not let you get to that space? Which includes, like you said, if you're moving second, then you're still doing that. Like, if you're flying, um, uh, a good example would be if you are flying. I2 swarm, or if you're flying an I3 uh, beef against uh, a, 
uh, Trade Federation 8 ship swarm, then, you know, what you said earlier comes into play. Like, okay, I know you're going to have to move and you're going to have to do this. So the spot that you're in now is the spot that I'm going to be in later. Like you're, you're saying, like, you cannot stop, you know, your Trade Federation drone does not have a stop sign. Oh, a stop sign. That's terrible. Let's stop, move. Um, but anyway, like like that, I think that that if you can figure this answer out and there is no one answer to it, I think you're going to be okay in X-Wing. In, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and um, I, think, I think a good sign is also that they're asking this question, right? Because I, I find that players that are thinking about this are the ones that are going to get better, the ones that are going to grow. Um, yeah, and just keep, keep assessing, keep practicing, and figure out what works for you. And, and I would say to, to respond to your, your early success and not having those things – um, like not identifying wind condition and all that. I, I attribute that to a couple of things, though, because n some people have better instincts for strategy in games than others. So while you may not have while you may not have been actively monitoring points or 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 matchups there. And again, we we don't have any 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 data, any you know qualitative data for this. But you may have just been innately kind of channeling some of those things, you know. Uh, and I would say I, I would uh, I would warn players that or warn slash inform there there are people who are just better at strategy out the box than others. There are other people who have to go step by step and think about the things. And I think what happens is, you know, players, I would say like yourself, that, you know, have have that, uh, I'm going to say innate strategy kind of uh, as 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 your default character. All right. <laughs> once you once you got that, you can only go up from there, right? You, you can end up adding those skills. It just makes you even better. Uh, and someone who doesn't have that, step one is identify and realize, all right, I'm not great at strategy. Let me practice it. I think some mistakes also happen, though, when people think that they have it, but they don't, right? And that's that's a self-evaluation thing. And I'm not calling anybody out, all right? Because some, sometimes you might think like, oh, I got this. I understand everything that's going on. And then you don't, right? And then the, you got to... The easiest, go easiest self-evaluation is results. And that, that's really the thing. And, and I think if you're always making cuts, but you don't know how you made the cut, you're probably doing something right. Something but you, right. You, you need to figure it out so you can get past the cut to the end. But if you're not making cuts and you think you should be making cuts, then you've also got to think about like, okay, something's not working and it can't always be the dice. Right. Um, unless you're playing on stream and Gold Squadron podcast, which... No, stop it. GSP dice sucks. Stop it. <laughs> Oh, shame. Shame on you. All righty. Uh, let's go ahead, Will. Grab another one. All right. This is kind of a two-parter here. Um, similar questions from two different uh, people. Uh, Gherkinator uh, and Lambolo uh, start both their questions with, uh, when should you choose obstacles? And uh, how do you decide which obstacles to add to your list? Uh, then Lambolo adds on then on placement. Do you pref prefer uh, 
them to mess with first engagement or are you trying to obstruct their like deployment flight plan um, or are you just trying to build lanes for your own style of uh, squat? I, I can start with the first one, which because I think it's, I, I assume that we kind of have a, a universal understanding of it. Um, if you're, uh, so I always choose obstacles after the list is built. I very rarely choose obstacles first. Um, and if I am choosing obstacle first, they're like my default big rocks. Um, but things that have access to uh, after executing maneuver uh, type effects, we're looking at uh, the fine-tuned controls of Jedi, um, even um, the free evades from full throttle. Uh, those you can, or afterburners on say a Vader or something, uh, those effects uh, work uh, best with gas clouds um, because it does not stress you like debris um, and it's less likely, well, zero chance to take damage on a gas cloud. Um, uh, so those should be your first to reach for if you have abilities like that. Um, obviously, if you if your list uh, has anything to do with stress, say you're flying like Ted Nub or you have like Cassian crew, um, even oddball, boy, well, oddball doesn't work, but um, maybe something like uh, Lando's Millennium Falcon, uh, where it wants ships to be stressed, uh, then you're then you should be grabbing debris right away. Um, obviously, things like mining guild ties that can avoid obstacle or uh, rocks, asteroids specifically, you should definitely look at those first. Um, but I'll bounce that to you guys then. What, uh, am I missing anything else of like definitive, if this is in your squad, you must bring these obstacles? Um, no, I think, so a lot of them, like you mentioned, make sense. And they're, and they're kind of the obvious ones, you know, your Sloans, your, uh, like you said, Lando Splitting Falcon, things that want to be stressed, um, you know, I, I have droids. I bring struts. I probably want big rocks. You know, uh, I want to limit my opponent's ability to take advantage of positioning or limit their actions. Um, when I, uh, about a year or more ago, no, probably more now, two-ish years ago or whatever, before the first Worlds event, um, I would, but before I jumped onto a full droid swarm, about any list I've brought was with debris because Jedi at the time, the named OB Plo Rick was a common one, seven B, the two seven B pilots. Um, they would bring gas clouds or they could still take advantage of rocks because neither of those two things stopped them from doing their fine tuned controls. So I would personally always bring debris to have that as a deterrent factor that even though they go through it, sure, it's not as much damage, but it limits their actions because they get stressed and they don't like getting stressed. Um, and I think that that kind of leads into what I want to add to this, which is, yes, you could always try and focus on what best your list can do, but it's also worth looking at what's prevalent in the meta. I had this thought earlier today when I played some games that while I was testing out a Republic list that featured a number of 7B Jedi Knights, sure, it'd be easy for me to take his all gas clouds. Like that, that's the obvious part, right? 
But then I thought, well, if one of my more difficult matchups, or at least things to be concerned about, is Bosk, right? Those scum Bosk lists. They're also just bringing gas clouds, just stuff that will always allow them to shoot and minimum recourse for going through it. Because Bosk will already have all the tokens he wants with Gamma Key and so on and so forth, and any ace uh, fang that's with it in the list can take advantage of gas clouds for that defensive bonus. So I thought, I was like, okay, what if I bring some rocks and a single gas cloud, expecting most of the meta and most other opposing ships are going to likely bring three gas clouds. So I'll have most of that covered, but I will still bring some rocks to be able to have some area of denial that will not allow certain ships to go because they still want to shoot. Obviously, they don't want to land on rocks. So I think understanding the meta and knowing what maybe most your opponents are likely to bring are you helping them more by bringing what is obvious to you or not? Is a question you need to ask yourself. And can is there a secondary option you can move towards that still has some benefit for you, but hinders more of your opponents? Yeah, and I think it I think it comes down basic to, to this basic idea, right? Obstacles for me or obstacles for my opponent. Wh which one which one are you going to do from there? And you got to outweigh like you said, you talked about uh you talked about a specific matchup, right? Like that's what you were talking about. You were talking about a matchup here. And and that's like a meta, a meta prevalent matchup, right? Or is it that your list needs to do something or has an advantage? Like Will was talking about. I think a perfect example, uh, I'm not sure that that was said was uh, array uh, array that has uh, Corsella, right? Uh, always debris, debris, every time. Like it's just it's such a ridiculous advantage because of how the the rules interact with that. You gotta take Corsella there. Like it just makes sense. So, um, I think obstacles are definitely one of those that, like, one of those things that gets overlooked pretty easily. And I think. I know that high-level players have thought about it for a long time, but at the same time, I've also heard high-level players say, I only play with three rocks. That's it. Nothing else. And the question was why. It's like, because I've always played with the three rocks, and I'm more familiar than, with them than you are, and that gives me an advantage. And that is absolute. That is 100% a, a viable uh, school of thought. And I really do think that it comes down to different schools of thought. And if... If you know that your three obstacles work for you and you have made a conscious choice for it, then likely you're making the right decision. Now, for you in that moment, could it be optimized? That's going to be, again, so many of these questions are situational. And, and it, really, it really comes down situation by situation. And I think unless you have a, um, like you were saying, Ray with Corsella or a... Um um, struts that want to use rocks or something like that. Unless you have that, it makes 100% sense. Or unless you're, you know, you're going into a scenario where you're playing against a meta that is heavy in that. Like if you're going into a drone heavy meta that has struts, then just don't take any rocks, bring some clouds. Um, just, yeah, just. 
do whatever makes for you. Like me personally, I I I, don't, I I I randomize it. I literally randomize it. Like I don't care. Like if I'm in person, I'll just bring the first three and I'll throw it out there. Because I don't know if I don't know what I'm bringing. I don't. I definitely don't know what my opponent's bringing. So what, who cares? Just whatever. Just fly around it. Um, unless I'm flying something that benefits from it, then definitely I want to bring what out. You know, if I'm fly, if I'm flying a bunch of I6s, yeah, I'm gonna bring a bunch of gas clouds. If I'm flying a bunch of um, you know struts, I'm gonna bring a bunch of rocks. But if 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 if, if it doesn't make a huge difference, just who cares if you're i don't know well marcel i, I feel you... kind of weird because i because <laughs> i feel kind of weird because i know a lot of people put a lot of stock into like rock placement and which rocks you bring and i happen to think is rant like who cares is random just just fly around it you know if there's a rock here just move around it like who well, cares well, what would you say, Marcel? Uh, out of the options Zambello listed, uh, do you do you prioritize first engagement, obstructing the opponent's flight plan, or building lanes that advantage that give the advantage to yourself? Out of those none. three, which one? None. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, one hundred percent honest. None. Judge, throw them out there. And I've literally seen you throw the obstacles onto the board. No, literally, just grab them, <laughs> toss them up in the air, and when they land, they land, because. <laughs> you know the the game you know there's people and and i'm not saying that's the right thing to do that may not be the right thing to do what i'm saying is there's people that that play that have like their opening engagement set up right like they're like this is what i want to do early um this, this is what i want to do and this is what it'll allow me to do and if i'm playing against a swarm this is how i set it up you know so that makes perfect sense and there's nothing wrong with that uh there's other people that you know that only goes up until like mini minute 15 or minute 20 of a match like the first 15 20 minutes of a match is you 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 can you can pre-plan and you can schedule your moves like the first 15 20 minutes of a match after 20 minutes of the match you're in a scrum when you're in the scrum you're just reacting to the scenario as it comes so if, okay. if so I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you if, just a little bit though. I'm gonna well, argue I'm just saying I, I'm just gonna say if twenty percent of your match is planned and eighty percent of the match is reacted to the scrum, I'd rather just focus on the scrum. So I'm just gonna put the I'm just gonna throw the rocks out there where they land and be in scrum from round one and treat round one or round or turn zero if it's scrum. I'm just reacting because so, so even he, if he, I have three rocks, the other the opponent is putting the other three rocks, so it's not perfect information. My, my my argument though with you is, I think I, th I think your your history of play has clouded your judgment a little bit. Okay, just a little bit. Let hear me out. Hear me out. You have played. Let's let's go a history of Marcel over the last like two years of playing. Okay, uh, Regen Aces and Five A Wings. Correct. Okay. Ships that run away to shoot at you. They spawn arm and talk Okay. That as of right now, that is an outlier on the graph that is Marcel Manzano. 
what I'm saying. And then also regen aces, right, which you're playing in XCC. And then before that, regen aces, where one of them literally for ha for for practically half the game doesn't care about rocks. You're like collision detector, doesn't really matter, right? So you have you have purposely played in a style which is valid that doesn't care about rocks. So you literally can not care about rocks. But not everybody's got that kind of list. Not everybody's got that kind of play style. And for instance, if I'm playing a uh, a non-acing list and I know or I know that aces are my weakness, I should not bring gas clouds. That's a bad idea because because when I face against a Kylo Ren who's hiding behind the gas cloud going cute you're not going to hit me, right? And it was my gas cloud that I brought because I just put my hand in a bag and grabbed whatever was there. It's a little bit of feels bad. I think it's more, it's one of those things that you could just, it's a slight tweak to the list that just gives you a little bit, gives you a little bit extra. Or let me not even say gives you, that could possibly give you a yeah, little bit extra. I, I think you missed the first part of my statement when I said, if you're flying something that you know that benefits from things, you know, that's the part that i said that i think you because yeah if you're flying you know again if you're flying things that that don't want to ace you want to avoid gas clouds if you're flying things that benefit from stress you want to throw you know if you're flying a hunt uh, or oh, not hunt solo but if you're flying any scum um uh yt 1300 with the title that you get extra dice with stress, then you want to only fly debris. So again, if your list does not benefit from it, if there's not a direct benefit saying, or if you're flying all small maneuverable ships, if you're flying a bunch of strikers, actually strikers are a terrible choice. If you're flying a bunch of um, uh, interceptors, sometimes strikers are a bad choice because I was thinking about big rocks, but strikers, because they are forced to move, don't like big rocks but like if you're flying a bunch of a-wings or if you're flying a bunch of um tie interceptors or barons you want big rocks because you know you you know you can move around them you, you know you can maneuver enough so unless you're flying something that directly benefits from it then it doesn't really matter and that's where i think um putting too much mental energy into the first 15 minutes of the game is detrimental to where you know the the main game happens after the scrum after things get messy and when things get messy rock placement becomes random after things get messy so if you can get if you if you can get good at playing when things get in the middle of the scrum and things get messy you're probably going to do better so even if you don't do it in tournaments, when you're doing it in, in just casual, you know, your league nights, your casual games, randomize it. Don't don't try to take every advantage in how you do it. Just randomize it. Just act like, oh, this is random. Let's let's start random from rock placement. Like you, you still set up your list the way you want to set up your list. But I'm saying like rock placement, just be random from the beginning and react. And that'll make you better because, again, the 70% of the game happens after things get messy. So, Will, I know you initially 
uh, asked Marcel to help finish out Lambolo's side of the question. So what's your thought then on that? Where are you trying oh. to obstruct opponent's plans or build your plans better? Oh, I try to build my own lanes. Um, it's a little bit of a mix, like, uh, I guess it does depend on what you're flying. I've been flying a lot of large bases recently. Um, so I want big, either a big open area where I could get it turned around in, um, or just big lanes um, that I can easily maneuver through. Um, but at the same time, um, if I'm flying something a little bit more maneuverable, small bases with repositions, um, then I would actually flip that and try to, uh, I wouldn't want to say, block lanes for my opponent. Uh, you, you see it all the time. If you have three obstacles, like in a triangle formation, uh, there's not a straight way through there. Um, so I try to create a lot of those where you have to, you can't just be barreling through lanes. Um, so it depends on most of what I'm flying. It basically it comes down to if, if my ships are unmaneuverable, I need to make lanes for my ships. If I do have maneuverable ships, I want to create lanes that are unfavorable for my opponent. Yeah, All right. a similar thought process. I don't normally look for my lanes. As, I don't. I rarely look for lanes. I look for where could I potentially obstruct my opponent's ability to flank me, being that a lot of my lists tend to be on the jousty side of things. Um, but I also really want to try and figure out whether it's through rock placement or also after it's all done, where I want the engagement to happen and figure out how do I engineer making the engagement happen in this area so that it's a higher chance to benefit me in the fight. Fantastic. Well, we, we have a few more questions, but we're getting a little low on time, so I want to make sure we get to these XTC matchups so that we could get the fire burning under Team USA coming out of their bye week. You guys ready for that? All right, let's go ahead. Let's pull up the chart. There it is. Those are the matchups. Oh, fail. Let's make it so that the people can see it. There are the matchups that, uh, that are happening this week. Team USA versus Team Malta. I also put a quick, uh, for those of you watching, we have a um, little abbreviated um, definition of what each of the lists are. So let's go ahead, go from left to right. Um, Ryan, we'll start, we'll start with you. Take a look at that first matchup. So in our first matchup, we have the captain Marcel Manzano with his triple regen Republic Aces, Obi-Wan, Rick, and Anakin, Anakin in the Naboo, Obi-Wan in the Ada, versus uh, their Separatist Alliance player running Quad Hemps or Roombas. Um, not sure of the exact loadout. I'm assuming since there's four of them, one of them has Kraken. There's a Dark One probe droid in there. Yeah, we got some a type of combination of missiles. They're rocking yeah. ion and cluster, and then one of them does rock the synced laser. Okay, so there is one Geonosian with synced laser. So that means they're not all moving at the same time. So there's moderate limitations on movement. There's a mag pulse in there too. There's a thermal. Oh yeah, the mag pulse. I forgot about that. There's two thermal debts. That's interesting. There's a lot of tools, but 
in my opinion, s- kind of suboptimal tools versus what I'm familiar with, what I would look at to put H on the HMPs. Um, but obviously tools nonetheless that, I mean, if any of those ion hits on Marcel's ship, that's a very bad time. I'm assuming he will try to not let that happen at all. Um, especially since they're not ion torpedoes, they're just ion missiles, so there's still just three die attacks, just limiting the range band. Um, now, uh, besides breaking it down, who we want to, is it me or Dion want to go first on guessing how we think this one's going to go? Marcel, since you're here, what do you think is going to happen here, buddy? Well, I'm not going to say what I think is going to happen. I'm not going to give away, but I'm just going to say that in our, you know, when we determine who has, you know, we, we're doing, and I'm not going to say who, who, and what. I'm just going to say that based on our calculations, yeah, we had two good matchups, two bad matchups, and three toss-ups. So this is a, I'm not going to say which one is which, because I'm interested to see yours, um, except for this one, because this is, involves me, and you asked me, this is a bad matchup. <laughs> because for two reasons. Um, Ions basically destroy two agility ships and I have potential of two of them depending on what speed they go and also um, the opponent here is considered to be the best HMP player in the world Uh, so when you take a bad matchup and you pair it with the best at it it, I, I think it's an uphill battle I don't think it's an unwinnable battle I think it's uphill uh, because one of the nice things about ions, I think ion is the biggest problem here. Um, and, but one of the nice things about ion and ion missiles is that they have to land two of them in order for my ship to be ionized. Luckily enough, all of my ships have a way of getting an ion, uh, uh, an evade token plus a regular token plus two agility or three agility. Uh, so you might be able to use that ion missile to get one damage in that could be regenerated versus the ion ionization. But um, it, 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 it's, it's a difficult matchup, one that I've never played, but I, I will probably practice it a couple times before playing it. Uh, but in just looking at it, I was one of the... Two. I'm not going to say what the other one was, but I was one of the two that was considered to be a an uphill battle. All right, uh, I I I will tell you, I'm I'm giving this one to Team Malta. Right there, I, I'm just gonna. Well, why are you covering my face? Put it over, put it over Malta. Just put it in the middle, right? Well, I was gonna put I was gonna put them both in the middle if. Uh. All right, now I don't have a plan. Okay, all right, fine. We'll go there. <laughs> I, I I do think you have some tools to handle it, like you said. There are things to avoid. Um, I did recognize the name once I saw the list in there. I was like, interesting. I know this player is a good HMP player, but I, I, was, I was just curious on the choices of the tools it went with. Um, if it's worked out, it's worked out. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of ion missiles. Cluster missiles, not so much. But you know, again, make them work. They work, and there's a, there's enough variety in there that there's weird target priority decisions that Marcel will have to try and solve. 
All right, well, let's let's keep it rolling. We're going to go ahead and award that one to Team Malta. Then we get uh, Doug Howe versus the Maltese um, Imperial player. So we got Kylo Ren and Von Reg versus Captain Faroff and five Sinars. So w when I look at this matchup, man, I... I kind of feel like this is something that Doug would like to see in the sense that I know that you got um, I know that you got Sloan out there, but you got fast maneuverable ships. And if you can just kind of get a couple half points and just kind of keep dancing, I think Doug has a chance. But the Sloan is super scary because if the Sloan goes off and and the uh, the Imperial player can pounce, I think it's a tough day. So for me, I look at this and I think my initial is that it's a 50-50 toss-up. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're not. Maybe I'm not going to say which one's favorable or not. I just want to, again, this is just not, this is not defense of anything else. This is really just for um, people watching and understanding like matchups. Uh, this is more gold squadron speak than team USA speak. Um, remember prime thrusters is a thing and prime thrusters works like you can still be stressed and you can still reposition and you can still supernatural double reposition or you can everything that happens with supernatural kylo is still kylo even while stressed kylo does not stop being kylo and still has the force for when needed yeah prime prime thrusters being specifically two or fewer stressed to do those things um and uh i'm i'm i've always been on i believe t on team i believe in doug but also yeah because those aggressors their front arc is the only arc that reaches out to range three their dorsals are only to range two kylo should be pretty adept at range controlling and picking off ships especially with the i believe he has proton torpedo right marcel yeah so uh, I don't know. I, I I'm leaning towards Doug, but I can understand the concern. He, the one thing he has to be really careful of is Von Reg. If Von Reg gets a killing shot, he needs an out or at least very limited shots coming back in. Kylo's going to be the one providing most of the killing blows, and I assume their Imperial player would probably understand that and try and threaten Kylo as much as possible even though it's a very difficult task because he's supernatural reflexes and prime thrusters. All right. So where, where do we want to put it, Ryan? Cause I know th these guys aren't going to, they're not, they're not going to give us anything. So what, 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 what do you think? Oh, you want to call it 50, 50? Will has talked for a bit on this. I want to hear what he thought. Um, I think there's definitely advantages both ways. Sloan likes to see that prime thrusters Kylo out there. Um, but at the same time with the limited maneuverability of the, aggressors um i think that's what it comes down to we've all seen uh doug flies very consistent um in uh, avoiding uh arcs things like that um really taking advantage of uh, everything supernatural kylo can do um so i i think this is on the imperial player and and it's gonna depend on if they overcommit with the aggressors puts them into a bad spot, they get a K-turn around, or their two-turn barrel, two-turn barrel isn't keeping up with Kylo. 
um, it's just going to give the aces uh, free shots. So I, I don't think Doug has to change his strategy at all uh, for the matchup. Um, but the aggressors will have to really um, make some hard decisions to be able to keep up with these aces. So oh. I, would, I would put it at 50-50, just on matchup alone. I think I do agree on the 50. I agree on the 50-50, but as, as the personal thing I, I was continue on is I believe in Doug. Right, uh, right. I, yeah, I don't expect Doug to focus boost into range two of all five assignments. Who would do that? <laughs> who, who, would would, do that? who do we know that would do that? I don't know. He did, he did, <laughs> he did double reposition into range two of a target-locked whisper. Well, I mean, it was a full house, Kylo. What are you, you going to do? Sometimes you got to take those chances. <laughs> All right. Well, let's we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll leave that one at 50-50. Let's take a look here at this next matchup. Um, we got Tommy Adams subbing in for Carson Ray, uh, flying Poe, Rose with C-3PO, Jess, and Lulu Lampar on the Team Maltese side. We have the 104th Battalion uh, that's the ARC-170, four Gold Squadron Troopers in the uh, V-19, and then Warthog in the lat, setting up some of them zombie shots. Um, I'm going to tell you real quick, Ryan, I look at this one quickly, and I, I my, my mind goes quickly, Team Malta. It does. I, just, it's like the, the jousting power of... Of the Republic, there it just see it seems formidable. Yeah, it's definitely formidable. Um, uh, to clarify, Poe does not have overdrive thrusters, right? Does not. I feel sad because um, I think that'd be an invaluable tool in a matchup like this. But um, I still think that Resistance List still has tools to handle. Uh, it's it's going to be range control. It, it really is. I don't know if I'd say this is uh, uh, that hard of a advantage for Malta um, because that that Republic list, its main hitting power is combined shots. So as long as Tommy has a three pronged attack with obviously Jess and Rose, and then Poe on one side and Lulu on another, I mean it it probably is the case that. Uh, the Republic will want to try and take care of two ships instead of trying to chase Poe or Lulo. But that'll be up to Tommy to make sure he can attempt to engineer that type of situation uh, because it's only, I, I say only, but they are with Warthog having two charges only. It's not like it's sinker where everyone's always going to get a reroll, but a lot of times in some engagements, you only do need the two charges. Uh, but you don't get all of them back every turn. So it, it, it is trying to mitigate that first engagement so that the engagements thereafter um, aren't as bad with, you know, them moving in for blocks. Because that, that arc is the closest thing to a hammer in that list because it has a three-die primary gun. You might not be able to get rid of that as quickly. It might be more of a get rid of a torrent or two and just move around the arc and then finish out the arc later so i don't know how quickly you're gonna be able to burn down that arc with just poe jess rose and lulo 
probably not going to be, do, be able to do that in one turn. It'll still be able to shoot back, so you always have, just have to keep in mind that like you have to shift around and mitigate combined fire as much as possible, because that's what this list is good at. I would say 60-40 Malta, yeah. And that's, you know, it, it's it's not as uh, as hard as you made it sound, but that's mainly because, man, I really wish Poe had overdrive thrusters. <laughs> but that's not how the list was made. And Cars has been doing fine without it, but in this matchup, it would have been really nice. He is in the chat, but he did say you're, you might be muted. I'm muted. This is motivation, Tommy. Motivation. Okay? Let's go. Let's go. All right. Next matchup we got here. Uh, we got some scum on scum action. Um, Ryan, what, 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 what do we... Actually, you know what? Will, what's this matchup? Okay. Uh, this is myself flying uh, my boost. Uh, Finn Kanan. Ah, oh, dang uh, it. <laughs> uh, versus Boba Dengar. Uh, this is a lone wolf uh, titled, uh, Slave One title, um, Proxy Mine. Um, Boba Fett obviously doesn't have any crew carrier, so getting those modifications in other ways with that lone wolf. Um, and then Dengar, this is the beat stick Dengar. Uh, that's uh, Han Solo, uh, Gunner and uh proton torpedoes has also thank you there's a bunch of upgrades uh has the zam uh, and false transponder codes uh basically all, all the things to just get uh, as big of uh like one round or two round punch that he can do um to try to make up those uh points um and then like i said i have uh busk um carrying tokens around Kanan uh, with uh, just Moldecrow and uh, Coordinate, and then Composure Finn. Um, he does have the bid as well. Um, believe he, I'm at 200, so if he's got a bid. Yeah, 197. So I'll be most likely moving Finn and second to Dengar. Or wait, Dengar will be moving after Finn round. So while not having the bid definitely hurts, um, he has a two sh two and a half ship list because Dengar could shoot twice. Uh, but man, Kanan's really good against three or less ship lists, especially when two of them are. It's actually only two. Um, I think uh, your list does or does not have false transponder codes. No, don't need them. Okay. So, actually, I would love that. to have them, but I, uh, yeah, I don't I have points. Say, I, <laughs> um, I I think it's it's gonna kind of be yeah, about. Has something to say about those points. Uh, making sure Kanan's effect is lasts as long as possible in this game, and putting Bosk in this position, and I think you've mostly done this in the games that I've seen you play. Uh, as you know, here's Bosk. If you need, if you want to get to Kane, and you have to go through me, type of thing, uh, because uh, just basically saying an opposing ship gets to deplete when you decide 
just because you're pointing your mobile arc at your friend is very, very valuable. Um, it's a lot of it's going to be predicated on, I, I, I think, how quickly you burn Dengar. Uh, I feel like that's the, f- even though Boba's the better end game ship, unless they give you the opportunity or an opportune way to either get half or, I don't know, I don't kill Boba, but uh, getting Dengar off the board to make it, now it's only Boba left. Like if, if you can get to the end state of here's Boba, and I still have Kanan and like half of one of my other ships. I don't know, point wise, that might not work out, but make Kanan to the end game still alive and Boba being the only one ship left means you're neutering his shot every time he's shooting, depending on how your ships may have split up. So, um, I don't know, Dion, what, what are you feeling? Um, I, I am, I have faith in Kanan. Kanan in a two, versus a two-ship list, I really think, is what, in my mind, puts Will just over the top. And d- depending on how how his opponent ends up kind of uh, dissecting this matchup, you could end up getting an opportunity where normally a Boba wouldn't be as aggressive, and all of a sudden it's in the fight, and then you can take it, Right. That's that's one of those things. Like Bo- Boba Fett is great, but if if you got like you said, we got we got Dengar out there. Sorry, we have a boss out there as a beat stick. Um, I do think I I think there is a uh, I think that I think probably about a sixty forty towards Will in my opinion because because of Kanan. Kanan is the single because even if you end up doing this like like. My name is Boss. Can I shoot twice? And my name is Dengar. And I shoot twice back and forth. I think Kanan just makes makes it so that Will's list ends up just barely ahead. Right? It's it's enough because if you can take Kanan out, excuse me, if you could take uh, if you could take Dengar out, and you still have Bosk alive to end up chasing Boba and uh, and dealing with Boba or even making Boba come to you because at that point depending on where the points are or whatever like I think I think you end up having a lot of tools there so uh, I think I'm I'm gonna grab I'm gonna grab this team USA flag and I'm gonna smack it right there yeah I agree and uh, because he has does he have one set of false transponders does he also have it on Bosk or sorry uh, Boba I don't think Boba has uh, unless it's just on Dengar he only has one does Dengar have cutthroat I mean, man, I, no. I, sure, I, I sure don't no. expect Boba to die before no. Dengar. But, um, so if you're only dealing with FTC once, and because you shoot after they do for the Zam target lock, then your ideal first engagement looks like boss having either double focus reinforce or double reinforce focus. Just because he's going to FTC one of those off anyway. And if you have just two of one of them, then he either leaves you with more offense or more or guaranteed still reinforced defense. And especially against the the four dice proton torpedo, and you can drop it down to a three. And then if he if he has the need to spend the lock, then well, there goes your other proton torpedo shot, I guess. Yeah, my my take on this is that I'm not sure how it's going to equal out because there's I think there's strong factors on both sides, um, but I think uh, Dengar's opening shots is going to really set the pace for the game. If he could come in just smash two proton torpedoes, uh, that could be the tipping point. But if he can't, then I can I can hold out defensively. Yeah. 
I'll say even though Dengar is I6 and moving after, he has a much more restricted dial and setup for his attack because it's just a front arc on a large base. So depending on the obstacles that are in the whole matchup, Bosk has a better chance to just, I have a 180, I'm going to shoot you very often, and I don't need to turn at you as much. All right. Well, let's let's keep it rolling here. And now, we'll break down this next matchup, Marcel. What do we have here? Okay, what do we got? We've got Daniel Leon versus uh, who's flying the Separatists, which is five Trade Federation drones and Zam with uh, a bunch of toys against... Um, that the first order, right? So let me roll yep, over. Malris the in the side shuttle is, and six. Yep, which is Epsilon Squadron. with the like you said, Malris. Malris with fanatical, not proud tradition. Uh, Malris with fanatical and a bunch of Tie Fighters. I want Tie Fighters, so it's one, two, three, four, five, six Tie Fighters, and Malris fanatical versus five drones. And Zam. Who has the bid? Uh, a lot. Daniel yeah. has the choice. Daniel has the choice. Yeah, he's at 198. Malrus is at 200. So it's weird. It's it's that I won Malrus effect conundrum. Do you want to block the cadets, but give them the opportunity to not deal with the consequences of the strain as much because they'd be the last thing shooting if the vultures move first? Or do you make them likely take consequences from the reroll of Malrus and the strain? Um, but take you, know, you take consequences for it, but they have the chance to block you and your vultures. I actually don't I, I haven't looked at that enough to know the right answer for that. He had another he had another matchup where he was playing against I1s. I believe it was the high I1s Hyena Bombers and he chose to move first because he needs those calculates. So I would guess if if he has a choice he's going to do that again. Yeah, and I can agree with that um in some respect. And I mean if 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 Zam gets in a spot to just start wailing on Malrus, then it becomes a non-factor, right? If you destroy Malrus, the advantage they had of the rerolls and not having to take the strain consequences within the same turn is gone. It can potentially be a tall task, but at least because you're moving first with the vultures, you are dictating where those cadets can and can't go. And because it's a swarm, it's they don't have to have a tight formation, but they generally have a space where they all would like to go. So one block could easily turn into like two or three. All right. I mean, this this is a tough one. I especially because they're I, I one of the if those epsilons were two agility. If they had two agility, I would say, all right, this is Daniel. Daniel's got it. I'm a little worried about those TIE Fighters having three agility, though. And if you get in a situation where all the Vultures are down, but you only were able to take out a couple, maybe three of those TIE Fighters, and then you got the other half of the TIE Fighters and Molaris left, 
that could be a situation that feels bad. So my my gut is 50-50. Does uh, Zamp have thermal detonators? Yes. I'm pretty sure. And I assume Dooku crew, right? Yeah. False transponder codes? Question mark? What did I just what does Daniel Zamp have? He's got hull <laughs> upgrade, false transponders. He's got he's got the full loadout on Zamp. Oh, treacherous too? Treacherous as well, yeah. Oh. I mean it's yeah. a it's a hundred point Zam or ninety seven point Zam technically, but yeah. Okay, so that is a fully stocked Zam. Yeah, I would err on this and potentially shooting a second time too. Which means actually there are consequences for that strain potentially. When he decides Zam takes that second shot, could be after a ship uses a strain. Uh, 60-40, Daniel, in my opinion right now. So then, I mean, our, our, our opinions together then end up giving us a 55-45 is what, is what I heard. So it's, it, it, we'll, 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 we'll put it down for Daniel. We'll, 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 leave, a, we'll leave the Maltese flag there as like a, it's, it's close. It, it's a close one. All right. Next, we have uh, Steve Cotillo playing the the Empire. He's got Goran Strikers uh, with Disciplined. That's what he's playing versus the Rebellion player for Malta, who's flying the classic Hera, Kyle, Garvin, Benthic two tubes. I don't know how to feel about this matchup, to be honest, because you got you got. Hey, look at my tokens versus hey, look at my tokens. Right? Like it's that they they function the same way, but when I look at the rebellion, the, to me this it says they have more it have they have more defensive tech. But the empire has more offensive tech potentially because of discipline. And because of thermal detonators, I think too, which and proxy mines. Oh, it's pro that's right. He did add proxy mines. That matters for sure. Um, I think a lot of it, I, I think, oddly enough, the key pilot in all of this, even though uh, Steven has Goron to help mitigate this, but Benthic being at I-2 as a medium base can mess up plans in terms of spatial denial because of blocking. Um Granted, you have ailerons to shift yourself. So it's just up to Steven to make sure that in the first engagement, it doesn't become obvious in the second engagement where he wants to go. Because then that creates the problem of Benthic can just take up that space, get all the tokens, clear the area to allow the rest of the Rebelists to form in behind him. And then the Strikers... Um, have to either shoot past Benthic, which could be actually the right answer, but there needs to be enough space for that to happen too. I mean, in, in my experience, I, I believe I've seen the, the Maltese rebel player play. Um, he, he has an opening where, I mean, I think most of the people who find the list doing a very similar opening, they, the, they stop, they do pop Leia the first turn, stop, you K-turn Garvin, Leia, you K-turn again the following turn, 
uh, and you, you're, they're just kind of slow rolling and saying, you meet me, and they end up putting this kind of this rock, uh, you know, the rocks that don't matter, uh, out at, like, range, like, two, two by two and a half, so that when they approach... When they approach, the opponent doesn't really have a, a good way to to get if they if they're flying in a formation, which Steve would be, right? They kind of have to come in from the side and then go over. Now, mind you, Steve's got strikers, so they can very easily go whoop like they they'll be fine. But I'm not sure if if Steve wants to go with him. I mean, I'm I'm starting to lean team team Maltese, team Malta. Excuse me. Um, convince me otherwise if if you like. I just there's so much defensive shenanigans there and like Steve wants to move he wants to go and the rebel list says I don't want to go anywhere this is my home this corner is mine um I mean I think has Steven Marcel will do you know has Steve Steven's been playing the Goron Strikers for quite a while now has he played against this matchup before not an XTC. I'm assuming at some not, point. Has, has he talked about it at some point? Uh, I'll just say that he, again, not not to give too much stuff away. I'll just say that he had it himself as a 50-50. He had it himself as a toss-up, which means he feels confident that he can win it, but he also feels confident that things can go south. Yeah, I mean, there is enough firepower there between Garvin, Kyle's front arc, and Benthic to say bye-bye to a single striker in one round. But I was, you know, watching back on a lot of Steven's games, just going through certain movement turns, and he's very used to losing a striker in the first engagement, it seems. It's kind of part of the par for the course, it seems. So, uh... He's been able to claw his way out of it multiple times. And as we know, Discipline's a really powerful card. Um, which, if Kyle or Garvin destroy a striker in the first engagement, that'd be pretty bad for just those two ships to do it. But in the second engagement, that could mean a lot of those strikers could then... Cause they, get to, they get to pick a lock. It doesn't have to be the ship that killed or shot him. So they could all lock Benthic and just burn Benthic down. Um, do we? Is it the same exact as Andrew Oler, or did they shift around Leia and Jin Urso crew at all? Same. This is the same. So Jin is on Kyle still. Jin's on Kyle. Yeah. I, ideally, and, and, you want to burn Kyle down, but and tuck, I think but tucked away, tucked away in the back right corner, baby. You ain't getting, you ain't getting the Kyle till you go through everything else. I don't mind going through Benthic if you can take that out. That's I think that's yeah. still very well worth it. That and that's that's that practice game that I told you that I was doing that I said I'll take all the bad shots on Kyle and ended up just making them have no tokens at some point and then it's just a regular mediocre beef list. Yeah, all right. I do that too for sure. Uh but I, yeah, I I think it's still leaned towards Malta like a 60/40. Yep. Just because that Rebelist is just really powerful in tokens and mitigating damage. I agree. And last but not least, break down this matchup, Will. Okay. Uh, the final matchup we have is Matt Carey flying the Rebel Alliance, uh, his A Wings and Hawk. That's Hera, Ahsoka, uh, Wedge, 
and Jan Ors um, versus the uh, what I think has become more standard uh, two pods, three T70s um, of Rose, Finn, Jess, and two heroic reds. I believe it's uh, I believe it's C3PO Rose as well um, to get some coordinating out there. Um, so a lot of a lot of jousting beef here with uh, and a lot of efficiency um, for the resistance uh, mixed uh, against then um, the alliances uh, high agility and uh, uh, fast uh, moving ships. Remember, Janor's got that engine upgrade, uh, so really can get that hawk uh, boosting around as well. Um, this is, in my opinion, going to be very interesting. I think uh, the, uh, what do I want to say? The skill requirement is going to be on Matt here with his aces. Uh, this is not a jousting, you know, let's joust our squads matchup. Uh, it will be the, the T-70s going out and sweeping and hunting um, and trying to lock down um, either a single A-wing or finding that Janors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely going to take, it, it always takes a lot to bring down a T-70. It's never going to be easy. Um, kind of luckily, it's just two Red Squadron experts, and I, and I say that lightly in the fact that neither of them are Bastion or Nimi, so the double mod potential is only based upon uh, Rose coordinating to one of them. So uh, if Matt can just find the right ship to jump on, and honestly, it might kind of be a feels bad to use Prockets on pods, but if they pop, like, just get them out. Get them out early. Um, it feels better to use Prockets on more expensive things, but if you get a lead early by just popping Rose and Finn and forcing those T-70s to just move around and work through trying to hunt down one of your ships while you still have the combination of Hera and Ahsoka supporting, it's still going to be difficult for him to climb out of it, even though both those pods are relatively cheap. All right, so we have to, we got to come to a decision here. Um, they both have really good tools. Now, of course, the advantage it looks like that Matt does have is initiative. Initiative is, is going to be a big factor here. The possibility to initiative kill things is pretty high. Um, I like his possibilities because he does have those proton rockets and the ability to push through damage. I think Wedge A-Wing is going to be a really important piece in this matchup. Taking those two agility ships, turning them down to one, and just pecking away little by little. Um, I'm yeah. honestly, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Matt. I'm turning to, leaning towards Team USA on this one, about 70 30. Yeah, I, I, we can go that route. I'd say more 60-40, but um, I think the initiative killing is obviously very important. I, I'm, I'm finding out when I'm trying out Rebel lists with Wedge, especially with, that are more Procket or Alpha Strike oriented that have limited amount of that Alpha Strike. Wedge is a really important ship. Like, even though he's a pocket ace and can be bait, he's one of the main points of sustainable damage in that list. Even though it can be plinky, 
from further away, but getting close hurts a lot, especially since he's also got Janors. It will shut down the heroic uh, for the reds as well, as they'll only be rolling one dice. Might actually help Finn, because uh, he can just roll one blank, add a blank, and then heroic them. But for the most part, yeah, it'll shut down their, their main defensive tech, which is that heroic. All right, so... Bye-bye uh, insurance policy. <laughs> so our, um, our our round of here, you can sign it. It does definitely lean towards Team Malta this week. Looking at uh, looking at them all, because you can see we have two matchups that uh, that seem to be heavier favored on the Malta side, and then uh, you know the it looks like looks to us like Team Malta is in is quote unquote in most of the games. They are in most of the games, so it's going to be a tough week, I think, for uh, Team USA. Though here's my prediction, okay? If the United States can win this week okay doesn't matter how ugly it is you get the w you make it to the dance right like you're you're going you're going all the way okay so uh i'm looking forward to see what happens this week um i gotta talk to the team usa see if we can get some uh some games scheduled during the the gold squadron times uh, i know a couple of them are scheduled already so we'll see what we can do for you guys but uh be on the lookout for those i'm sure people are posting them out um any closing thoughts will and marcel about this week's um team usa xtc extravaganza i just want to just just clarify uh what you had mentioned here about the clinch um spain is undefeated as of now um and we are the only team with a single loss um but we have uh the set wins right now uh of 21 which is uh, eight more than our most our closest competitors with two losses which is sweden and hungary um so that's what he's saying if we can beat uh, Malta that should clinch us uh, even if we lose to Australia um, but that gives us two um, or two chances to um, get into it we just have to beat one of our last two matchups and I think we are uh, almost guaranteed in pretty close we're gonna still need some wins but yeah we uh, need one win to to get in so we need to beat one of the last mm -hmm. two to get in exactly or God, oh, good Lord, I hope we don't lose the last two. But if we lose the last two, we would need some assistance from the outside. And at that point, it would be like if you're talking NFL, it would be like a like a like a nine and seven team or an eight and eight team making it to the playoffs. It's like, well, why did these guys make it to the playoffs at eight and eight? Because uh, because things just happen the right way. But hopefully, we don't leave it up to chance that way. We, you know, we keep we need to win. If we win this week, we're in, period. Even if we go 0-7 against Australia, which we won't, uh, we're in. So that's that's kind of like said and done. Uh, having said that, um, just, you know, before week one, bef you know, before week one, when we looked, or when I looked, when I looked at the entire seven-week tournament, mm -hmm. and I did my... Uh, I went ahead and I did like, okay, this matchup. I went match by match by match by match, setting up, you know, what you guys did, you know, what you guys are doing every week. I did that before week one 
against every single team that we're facing. Malta was the second worst that I had in terms of our how we match up against their lists. I'm not mm. saying player to player. I'm saying list to list. Yeah, Australia being the worst. Like Australia, just just uh, average player against average player. Australia has the worst matchups for us. Um, right. And Malta has the second worst. So we need to win this. And we need to win this by being better X-Wing players than they are, not by better by having better lists, as you guys can and, see. And, by and, that's, and that's what... And that's what this what this chart doesn't tell us, right? Like it doesn't take into account players. We're only looking at lists, you know. We we have you know sometimes been like you know hashtag I believe in Doug and just slap a flag on there. We've done that before, but this week especially we looked at it very very list based. So yeah, I 100% agree with that assessment, which means you got a good head on your shoulders, Marcel. So you're getting third party confirmation. The lists this week are tough. They are tough, and uh, it's going to have to be players over players. going to have to circumvent those disadvantages that are there. Well, I, mean, I will say in all the weeks we've done these previews, when it's been more like this 50-50, Team USA has brought home the victory. When we did the Spain discussion, it was all on paper. It's looking really good, and it didn't turn out that way. So maybe there's a theme. There you go. Well, hopefully everybody here has enjoyed today's show. Um, again, we'll be back on Wednesday with some type of X-Wing action content. We'll bring it to you. Again, I'm going to try to wrangle up some XCC games, but uh, it's pretty random at this point, so I have no idea what's going to happen. But we were thinking about possibly doing a fight against the squid. I think that's what we talked about last week, right? I think uh, I think we're going to have a, a guest on to to automate the squid and we're gonna we're gonna battle it out all right so i i think we're gonna be doing that we'll, we'll get you exactly um you know the exact details through the discord and of course just you know have those notifications in hang out let's have a good time and we will see you on wednesday and then saturday and uh dion master's degree news um only if I need this to be done. I, I, I am I'm over it. I'm over it. I want to I want to be done. I'm so, I'm so tired. <laughs> I, I will tell you. I will tell you. Being real right now. So you, remember, I told you guys I was, I like stayed up like cr like a crazy person and finished my paper, got it in. So now I they I got the corrections back, and they were like, your paper was great. You did such a good job. I was like, oh, okay, sweet, sweet, sweet. But and then the butt hit and they were like, we want you to add X and Y and Z just because we think it'd be interesting. And I was like, ah, but I hope that I was like, so I don't need it. They're like, no, no, no. But I think it'd be it would add to that. I was like, OK, but then me, you know, me, me being the way I am, I'm going to add it because I'm like, that's a good point. I can't deny that. OK, so. I'm going to go work on my paper, guys. That's my plan right now. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Gold Squadron out.